It's Friday, September 18th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, actor Jake Goldsby. That's right, Degrassi's Jake Goldsby. Toby from Degrassi, The Next Generation, is here in Lemon Press Studio, and we get into it. You're going to love this one, and it starts (laughs) now. Listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Yeah! As always, coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Distillery District, downtown Tirana. Hey! Hey, hey, hey. Hey, how you doing today? You good? I'm excited about today's episode. Oh man, Jake Goldsby came in studio just, just now, and it was amazing. Great guy. You'll recognize him from Degrassi, Toby Isaac from Degrassi, The Next Generation. He was on from 2001 to 2008, about, regularly from 01 to 07, and then a couple guest appearances once his character graduated from high school. Anyway, he comes in the studio and we uh, have a nice chat. I think you'll enjoy it, give you a perspective of uh, the biz, the bedness, acting business. It was fun. Had a good chat. Did I say that already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. Fuck nuts. You're repeating yourself. <sighs> the whole world wants a piece of my head. All right. How you doing? Are you good? Did I ask you that? Uh, I did. Are you good? Are you really good? I hope you are. I don't know what you're doing right now. Are you at the gym? Are you driving? Are you at work? Are you in your office at work? Sister, Bridget, hey Bridget, shout out to my sister, Bridget, very talented, freakishly talented graphic artist and designer, and she listens to every episode, which I am thrilled about, I love it, I love that my sister listens, I have three more sisters, I think they have listened periodically, but I know Bridget listens to pretty much every epi, she will often send me a little text after, a little note. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my chat with uh, Jake Bridge, and I miss you. How are the kids? Just talk to me right now as if you're in the studio. Let's, f- let's forget that everybody else is listening. How are the kids? Oh, good. How are they? They're so cute. My sister Bridget has the cutest ki- I mean, all of my nieces and nephews are freakishly cute, and I miss my family. Here, I wasn't going to talk about this, but yeah, I miss my family. You know, this is the thing about pursuing any sort of creative endeavor. 
uh, or artistic pursuit. I don't know. This is not even necessarily artistic, but when you pursue something that's not... Like, I'm from, from Skaduk, New Brunswick. Shout out Highway 132, which is a road between Moncton and Shediac. It's a road connecting two slightly better places. Uh, but, you know, uh, grew up on a farm in Skiduk and Moncton, New Brunswick. And, and it's, for what I do, show business, um, you know, comedy and acting, trying to get into the acting a little more, and podcasting, and there's not much opportunity down there. So, and, you know, I'm not the only one in this position, but anytime you have to leave, uh, go away, excuse me, and pursue your passions elsewhere, it's always hard, you know, it's, it, it makes it, because this, this is the, this is the, th- <laughs> this is the thing, I'm close with my family, I love my family very much, my four sisters, Bridget, Sophie, Gabrielle, Mary Jo, my parents, Sue and Jerdog, I love them all, and it's hard to be away, and all my nieces and nephews, I won't name them all, I have ten, I think, hold on, let me do, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, a lot. Is it? Oh, shit. Okay, hold on. Now I gotta do one, two, three. One, two, three, six, seven, eight. Yeah, ten. Oh my god. If I'd gotten that wrong, is it ten? It's, yeah. Anyway, being away from my family, it's hard. And for anybody that, that, especially when you're close to your family, you love them, and you don't always communicate, but it's no reflection. It's no reflection whatsoever as to your relationship or how you feel about your family. Obviously, I love them more than anything, and I wish I could be around all the time. And uh, but it's just not possible with what with what I do because there's just virtually no opportunity back home. So I got to be in in Toronto to pursue this thing. The goal is always to eventually make enough money to then have a, a second home back in in New Brunswick in the middle of the woods, and just split my time, uh, you know, between maybe two, maybe three homes, who knows, and uh, and see my family more, but it's it's always hard, and, and you struggle with this thing, because it's like, okay, you want to be happy, you want to pursue your passions, you have to, it's kind of your purpose in life, you know, you got to really find, discover what you're passionate about, oh, some, some, for some people that comes organically, for others you got to search a little bit, uh, but once you find that, you kind of have to be on a relentless pursuit of that because that's what kind of uh, adds color to life and richness to life. And that ultimately is what creates a happy life. But then you you struggle with being away from your family and, and friends because that's definitely a sacrifice that comes with do, doing these things. Is seeing them regularly. I get to go home about twice a year. Once in the summer, once around Christmas. I try to make it more, sometimes three, sometimes four times a year, but generally speaking, twice a year, and that's hard. It's not, you know, it's not enough, and every time you go home, you see your parents, and you want to be around more, and then you start feeling like you're a bad son or brother for being away, but someone told me one time, it's not, life isn't so black and white, you know, because the black and white is, oh shit, I'm away, they're home, hence... I'm missing out on a lot of moments in life, and so hence, I'm a bad son or brother or uncle, but that's a black and white way to see it. But life happens in the gray, everybody, 
And this is what happens is you got to look at it. For example, let's take the direct relationship with my parents. You know, I feel like, oh man, I miss my parents to death. And I think about them every single day. I get to talk to them maybe once a week, twice, maybe. And, you know, you kind of go, shit, am I, am I doing the right thing? Again, black and white. Because you think, obviously my parents want, want me around. Obviously, I want to be around. I'm not around, hence, I'm bad. Not bad, but you know what I'm saying. I could, I could be better with that relationship because you only have one life. And family is everything, really. And so, but then you realize ultimately that your parents want you to be happy, right? They want you to pursue your happiness. They want you to pursue happiness and follow your dreams. And if you're one of the lucky few, achieve your dreams. And then you're able to share that happiness with your family and friends. And that's where the gray happens, right? Because ultimately being good parents, they want you to do whatever it is that makes you happy. Even if that means they don't get to see you that much, only twice a year, or whatnot. So life happens in the gray, is today's lesson, everybody. Life is gray and dull, and fuck it all. Not actually. I wasn't even going to talk uh, about any of that, but hey, gave a shout-out to my sister Bridge. Love you, and um, got into that. Actually, since, I've, uh, talk since I'm talking family, let me do this. I haven't done this in a while. Here's a message... To my mom. Message to my mom. Message to my mom. Hi, mom. If you're listening to this, you finally figured out podcasts and how to download it. Well, I'm just here to tell you that I love you very, very much and more than anything, but please, please, if you could not listen to the rest of this podcast or any other episode because look you're on the internet now so it's bound to happen but this is my creative safe place where i can express truly and freely and i interview comedians and other people in the arts and sometimes we may discuss things that you don't agree with or would not like your son or to hear your son talk about so please with all due love and respect and admiration, again, love you more than anything, please, this is your cue. Please don't listen to the podcast, I beg you. I beg of you. This is my one thing. I love you so much. Message to my mom. All right, enough of all that. Let's straight up go to my guest, because this is a great interview, and I was excited to interview this guy. Good guy. Talented guy. And you'll recognize him from Degrassi. Toby Isaac, Jake Goldsby is in studios. Let's drop the jingle. Yeah, there it is. And enjoy my chat. Now with the one, the only, Jake Goldsby. People I need to lose. Sing a little song. Then take a shower. Julian Dion. Comedy This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast with Jake Goldsby is brought to you yet again by Echo One Photography. 
GTA listeners, Great Tour, Toronto, Arior, this one's for you. If you're a business person, actor, musician, whoever, comedian, whatever, you need some headshots or, or photography needs fulfilled, well, look no further. Echo One Photography is the place for you. If you own a business and looking to get some product photography done for e-commerce or advertising purposes, look no further. Echo One does that too. Email Eugene, that's E-U-G-E-N-E at Echo One Photography dot com and enter jdch that's the julian dion comedy hour in the subject line for special offers do it today cool yeah no it sounds sounds good to me and okay here we are and oh shit am i excited for this one uh sitting across from me in lemon press studios is a guy that uh, well if you run into him you'll definitely recognize him he's a, a successful canadian actor and uh here you go well you've seen him on such film and television appearances as, I'm going to list them off, uh, such as Being Erica, Twitches, I Do, They Don't, Child Star, The Red Sneakers, Prince Charming, Leap Year, Laughter on the 23rd Floor, uh, When Andrew Came Home, Jacob Tutu Meets the Hooded uh, Gang, and so, is it Gang? Fang, I think. Oh, shit, it's yeah. Okay, it's okay. I can't understand my... That's uh, all right. Own writing. But most notably, and you'll definitely recognize him <laughs> as uh, Toby Isaac... And Degrassi, the next generation. Jake Goldsby is in studio. How are you, man? Good. That was a nice like listing of early two thousands Canadian <laughs> film. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what you've done. And also you did a writing stint at the score and uh, all that. We'll get into all that. But first of all, thanks for being here, man. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. Yeah. It's no a little problem. toasty. Do you find it hot? In it here? is a little warm, but that's okay. It's a warm day. Shit. Well, it, it is warm. We have cold water. Uh, there you go. Do. Are you uh, busy with uh, TIFF uh, things? Not or particularly. Like no? Um, do you indulge in that kind of stuff? Not really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I was in something, I'm Yeah, sure if you're directly involved. But uh, no, generally not. The other, I went to a party the other day with a buddy of mine, and it really just made me feel super unsuccessful. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the party? It was the, uh, oh, I don't know what it's called. The, they do a thing, uh, Festival Music House. That's what it's called. Just bands show up and play for people who are involved in TIFF. Yeah, yeah. That was fine. Nice. Saw, saw Kid Koala. He was good. And uh, you said yesterday you had a dog. What kind of dog do you have? I have a mutt. She's, uh, uh, she's a little mix. She uh, all right? She yeah, she's good. She's good? Yeah, she's good. She's uh, she's about a year and a half now. Okay. So she's, uh, she's still very much an uh, exhausting puppy, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that age. She yeah. chew everything and No, she's okay with the chewing now. It's just like the constant energy. Right. But uh yeah, no, she's good. Constant need for attention. Mm-hmm. Like all of us in a way, I guess. Of course. I wouldn't act and I not need attention. It's well, the whole let's, point. Let's get into it. Let's go get to know Jake, because what I like to do with the podcast is uh introduce you to people, introduce my guests, you know, I interview actors, musicians, comedians, whoever, people in the arts, because they tend to see you on screen. And that's pretty much it, right? So I like to uh, get to know you, introduce you to people. So uh, are you from Toronto? I am, yeah. Born and raised? Born and raised, uh, East End, Danforth-esque area of Toronto. Nice. And what what made you get into acting? Do you come from a family of actors? Uh, No, I actually don't totally know the story. (laughs) As far as I understand it, uh, I was a very um, talkative child Mm -hmm. and... uh, people told my parents it might be something i'd enjoy and so uh we kind of just went with that i was five and we kind of just went to see and it kind of worked out and stuck. what do you mean to see like you auditioned for yeah, something like or, we yeah we went and found an agent and auditioned did 
commercials mostly and and how wait how old were you i was five five years old so you got in the game early yeah no i'm, I'm one of those damaged child actors for sure <laughs> but um yeah it was i don't I, again i was five i should probably ask one day to find out the whole story but i'm pretty sure this is it yeah and now they were told it just might be something i'd enjoy and then well i, I mean did. And being from Toronto, that's something that if you do or people do kind of push you in that direction, it's kind of normal. Like I'm from yeah. small town, New Brunswick. And I remember at a young age telling my parents I wanted to be an actor and they were like, well, that's fine, but you know, you find something realistic. First yeah. The, oppor- the-, the opportunity is definitely a lot more realistic here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, than- it's all here in this country, especially. Yeah. It's, it's definitely all here. I mean, Vancouver is starting to or in the last decade or so has really become yeah. a, uh, uh, what's the word, a center for, for work. Yeah. But they do a lot of like voiceover, a lot of voiceover like stuff. And I know like a lot of the CW stuff shoots out there. A lot right. of all the sci-fi shows mm-hmm. shoot out there. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know if that was the case 22 years ago now, Right. but, uh, I know that like, uh, geographical convenience was definitely on in my favor, and obviously your parents being supportive because they yeah. they let you do it at five. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad used to work uh, in advertising for media. He used to work for um, Alliance Atlantis. Uh, now he teaches at George Brown. Okay, and uh, my mother uh, is now retired, uh, but was a fundraiser for private schools. Nice. So they actually had no affiliation whatsoever to very, show business. Yeah, very little. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, they were always very supportive. Still are. Um, and it was, but it was always very, uh, like, school and everything comes first, and this is just kind of priorities. Like, priorities, and don't let. You know, they were good about not letting me become the egotistical monster I am today when I was younger. So, <laughs> Do you remember starting out at five and like shitting your pants, going to auditions or stuff? Or is it just kind of something you did and thought was normal? Kind of both in a way i remember my first audition ever was i don't i don't know what it was for i know it was a commercial but i don't know what it was for and i refused to go into the audition room without my mom and i was like freaking out and uh eventually they had to like calm me down and get me to go in and apparently my mom actually snuck in without me knowing while i was doing it but um eventually it just kind of like when i look other than specific moments like that and now it's just kind of a thing I did. Like I can't really uh, rectify it with my own brain. Uh, but even like Degrassi in teenage years, it all seems very uh, um, not normal, but like uh, just kind of well, it was an organic process. Yeah. It just kind of came about. Yeah, like naturally, I, exactly. Like work I did when I was seven. Like I think back now, and I'm like, how the hell did a seven year old? Dude, that's crazy so what what sort of things did you book what was the first thing that you booked? first thing i booked was a commercial i think for tiger electronics which was a uh like before like game boy is really a thing there were these like um disney movie tie-in i don't know if you remember them like there was like shitty led screens oh yeah, like, two yeah, buttons. yeah yeah it's so one of those and then i did a play like two lines in a play at the canadian stage a play called the wooden hill and how old were you when you did the play? Still five. Still five. Yeah, those are the first two things. Shit, I would imagine being five and doing a live performance, especially. Well, that's what be- I mean. Like, I don't like if I go out in front of you know twenty people now, I, I'm like all the self doubt and the anxiety kicks in. But like five year olds don't have that. Like, that's just what happens with experiencing the world. You know, the I world think drags so. you down. Yeah, I think. I mean, kids don't have that. Um that part of their brain that like gives them anxiety and self-doubt. That's Everything. interesting. Kids yeah. are just kind of like, okay, this is 
the thing I'm doing now and yeah, they and tell me to do this, I do it and I go and yeah, I don't know if I could, like I'm sure I could do it now, but it would it would be harder for me to get on a stage now than it was when I was five. For well, sure. I mean, because I mean, at that age, you're you know, you're always kind of in an environments that are like super nurturing and supportive, whether you're at home yeah. or around family, or you don't face much rejection, you know. And usually, no. I imagine like the rejection you did face, it was really your parents that faced it because they would t- probably tell your parents if you didn't get a. Yeah, at least until I became until i got to be like 12 13 like right for all intents purposes my mom was my manager right so to right. speak um but uh yeah i mean you don't really i mean at least i don't i can't speak for anyone else but i mean like for me i didn't really think about the um i guess the impacts of like your life being constant rejection at six years old (laughs) until I was much older. Right. Cause then it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go play outside. Yeah. And now it's like, Oh wait, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. So, and did, did you ever find it interfering with school? Like your parents said school first, always, but did Uh, you ever come on a point where you're like, it it was becoming a little too much? I know, I know it happened, but I never, but looking back, I don't remember. I know when I was seven, I started doing Beauty and the Beast uh, at the Princess of Wales Theater, and it's like eight shows a week. Wednesday, Crazy. Wednesday ma- well, it was four because there was two kids because you can't put a seven-year-old on stage eight times a week because <laughs> they die. But uh, still, it was like Wednesday matinees, you know, and still four shows a week at seven. And I, I my mom t- was telling me about this recently, but I forget, obviously. Um, but yeah, I missed a lot of school, and I don't really know how I – that year specifically – I don't know how I kind of juggled it, to be honest. I think it must have been predominantly through the influence of my parents. Right. Because, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Did you ever think, it doesn't really matter how I do in school, like, I'll do it, I'll finish it, but this is my thing now, I'm going to do this forever? Uh, not not when I was that young. Because um, when I was that young, everything is just kind of whatever. Like, school is the thing you're supposed to do, and, like, I played baseball as well and that was just another thing i did and it was all kind of the, like at that age I was kind of saying as i got older um i never really had the it doesn't matter but i definitely there was definitely periods in my life where school was not my priority right because you got this acting thing locked down you're thinking you know not even locked down like i never i never really uh i've never been the kind of person who knows what the hell i'm doing tomorrow right. so i the whole thing of like i'm gonna do this forever has never been a thing that my brain goes to the ebbs and flows but, of show business. Yeah, but uh, no, and again, everything to me, even in high school, it was just kind of like school was just it's school, right? You got to kind of finish it and do it. But I did, I did have a period of time, and I don't know if this was acting related, where I was like, I'm not going to go to university. Did you go to public school? Uh, for high school, I went to a private school for elementary school. And do you consciously remember a point of maybe getting like confidence from your acting? Because you must have at some point realized, oh. All kids aren't actors because it's a very specific and yeah. kind of rare thing and a special thing. So do you ever think, do you ever consciously remember the time where you started <laughs> like being, you know, like having a little more confidence maybe thinking, yeah. oh shit. Like, you know, not really. Uh, I was never the most confident kid, at right. least, at least uh, inwardly. I, um, I'm sure, I mean, I liked being the center of attention and I liked making people laugh and stuff, but I was never... I was never a kid or am, am, am never a person uh, who really uh, felt um, uh, content and confident and just like 
and not self-conscious. So, like I was a very self-conscious kid. Right. And I'm sure that at least as I got older, that acting exacerbated that because just of what it is. But uh, in school, I mean, I don't think I was ever, like I had friends, I don't think I was ever not confident, but I don't think there was a lot of uh, correlation between the two. Except maybe, maybe when I started Degrassi a bit, I got a little like, hmm, like how do you enter going from school to like work? Right. As I got a little older, there was definitely a divide there. But um, in terms of confidence, not really. And was Degrassi? I mean, because you've obviously you'd obviously done so much before then, but but was that the real thing? Where was that the thing where kids kind of started? talk like oh shit you yeah. know this guy's really doing something yeah totally so, so before like before that i don't know i because I, I think i try to think of myself in that situation i would have been telling people every day like motherfucker i'm an actor who you tell like well you know? it, what was funny for me was i like i obviously knew what degrassi was just because i'm canadian but uh the uh, scope of it never occurred to me at first at first it was just like oh it's it's a job another job i booked Right. It was never, I never had this idea of, oh, people are going to start recognizing you. Because before Degrassi, that didn't happen. Right, like, right. I was either doing voice work or like, you know, a couple scenes in a movie of the week. But it was never anything that was actually um, particularly recognizable. Like I wasn't starring in movies or anything. So let's talk, let's get into the Degrassi thing then. So how old were you when you booked it? When you started working on it? I definitely started working out when I was 12. I might have been 11 when I booked it. No, I was 12. I was wow. Def- I was 12. That young? Yeah. And so, and you said you kind of, you knew it was a thing because you're Canadian, but you weren't necessarily a fan of the show. I was, I mean, I kind of missed the original. I'm slightly too, I'm like two years too young to have been watching the original. Yeah, because how old are you, 28? I'm 27. 27. So I like, it. Degrassi, the original ended when I was like three. Right, because I'm 32, I'll be 32 next month, and uh, I mean, we used to watch it in English yeah, class, it's yeah. part of like the curriculum. That's what I mean, I think I, I think I missed that by like two, three years, so I knew what it was, um, Yan Moore, who was uh, one of the original writers and creators of it, used to actually lived on my street. Is that right? Uh, so I knew what it was through him and through just being in the industry and being in Canada, but uh, even when I got it, it was just kind of, like it, it didn't. It never clicked. And me. was this just another job that came through your agent? You just yeah. went out for it? Totally. No thought behind it. You auditioned, and you auditioned for a different role, right, initially? Uh, yeah, I auditioned for the uh, role that became JT. I forget what the original name was, but that Ryan Cooley played, my friend in the show. Uh, I, actually, no, I think I auditioned for both, if I remember correctly. There was like, I auditioned for one, then the other, then both. And what was the auditioning process? First, it was uh, a monologue that they gave you, and uh, I think that's what I mean by one and the other. I think I did, I think, I think, because uh, this is now 15 years ago, uh, I did like a monologue for Toby, and then a mono- and then came back on a separate audition, I did a monologue for what became the JT character, and then came back and did um, a screen test, which is just basically reading, doing scenes with other people who are... Um, "Quote unquote," close to getting it as well, right? As both, and then uh, I think that was it. Maybe there's another one. I and forget. and this is obviously a big production. It's you know for for Canada, uh, you know it's network TV, 
So did you feel that when auditioning for it? Because obviously you had been in the game at this point six or seven well, years. Well, no, that's the, that's kind of what I mean. When it first, like, when it first started, it really wasn't that big a production. It, I mean, they had this giant, huge studio that they had bought, and it was it was clearly like a very professional uh, TV series. But at least at least to me, um, and this just could have been my own naivete. I don't know, but it didn't feel like. Um, this big giant thing. Uh, it, it wasn't until we actually started going and like doing press that, it, that it actually clicked for right. me to be like, Oh, this is a thing. So, cause when you auditioned, it wasn't, you, you were part of the first cast of the next generation, yeah. right? That was like the first reboot yeah. of that show. I mean, now there's been so many different, yeah, they're, casts on like, and they're on, I don't know what season they're on now. 15 maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause that would be 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, so you start doing press and you start realizing, okay, shit, this is a thing. You're still in school, obviously. You're yeah. 11, 12 years old. Yeah, I was in grade seven. And so you, that's crazy. <laughs> like to think, oh my God, like, I don't know. And so you go back to school, you start shooting. At this point, does it affect your confidence? Are you guys like, just wait? Well, do those no, no, not really. I was just, I've never been that kind of person. And, uh, and I don't know if it's a conscious thing or just like how my default is. But, um, no, I never really had that, uh, that kind of attitude. The only real, um, what's the word, the difference in like work life and school life, uh, that I can really remember was, I want to say eighth, like, so that the second year, um, I think I had like, because, uh, the crew on shows are all adults on set, they're your colleagues, even when you're 12, 13, but uh, in school, the teachers are not your colleagues. Teachers are your teachers. That's interesting. So that I I know for a fact that uh, at some, at certain points that adjustment um, was noticeable. Yeah, because you got to go from colleague to now authority figure. Yeah, and as someone who never really enjoyed authority figures to begin with, when now it's like, oh, the authority figure is just the same age as my buddy. Yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, I know that there was there was a couple conversations with uh, my teacher and myself, and possibly my parents, involving just like having to recalibrate the brain a little bit at school. That's a lot to handle. I mean, that's quite the process to go through, especially at that age. Again, it's one of those things that I didn't really notice the impact on like the psyche about it until I was significantly older. Right. Because again, at the time you're 13, you're just like, okay. Yeah, it's just a thing. Just sure. roll, roll with the punches. Exactly. Tell me a bit about the workload. So, how many days were you shooting? Were you doing table uh, reads? Like, what was the pro? Because was it man. one episode a week, sort of thing? Yeah, it was. I don't. I don't remember what it became. I, yeah, it was always one. It was like one episode in four days, basically. It was like blocks of eight days for two episodes, essentially. Okay. If I remember correctly, which I might not. <laughs> Everything I'm saying could be totally wrong because it's so fucking long ago. But um, the workload, as far as I remember, it wasn't crazy because we shot kind of like May to October. So it was primarily in the summer. So we, in terms of school and balance, it was re- and like in September and October in school, you don't really do all that much anyway. So it was really only those last two months of school where there was anything resembling like a real balance to do. Cause like in the summer, it's just kind of like it's camp. It was TV camp. Like that's really all it was. It was, we'd, I'd go to do this instead of going to summer camp. 
and it was kind of the same thing. And so you'd shoot through the summer, and then the episodes would start coming out in the fall. Yeah. And would people talk to you about episodes? Because, I mean, when that first came out, Degrassi and the Next Generation, it was a big thing. Because I, I started watching it. I mean, I, when I ran into you the other day, I recognized you instantly because right. I would watch all the time. I mean, at that point, I would have been 18. Yeah, about 18, 19. But I would still watch the show because, you know, Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High growing right. up was such a, a big thing for me. So, I mean, you had so many eyes on this on this project. So, when you would go back to school the day after an episode would air, would people talk to you about it? Would your teachers treat you differently? No, teachers definitely didn't treat me differently. Um, not, I mean, it happened more uh, with strangers. I think, I mean, again, my memory is not 100%, but from what I can remember... The kind of the novelty, so to speak, with people at school wore off pretty quick. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like a day. It was like, oh, Jake's on TV. And then I was like, okay. And then it was kind of like, let's move on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it happens, happened occasionally with, like, people on the street. But in terms of, like, friends or even just people at school, I don't think it really changed a whole lot of dynamics there what about with because uh, i mean high school can be a hard experience yeah high school is a little different <laughs> yeah so because uh, you were still on the show because you were on for i was on through all of high school yeah. right um i went to a i went to a high school though that was it's a public school in it was uh okay I'm, I'm not sure how to describe this um it's basically it was a school for kids who did stuff outside of school so there was a lot of uh like very serious athletes and actors and just anyone who has a different schedule than a normal teenager would they allow more flexibility yeah and that was it so it was kind of you kind of made your schedule similar to how you do in university and missing school wasn't that big a deal like you'd get your work but it was within so within that little um hall literally hallway uh, of this school, it wasn't a big deal, but then it was within this larger public high school. And that was, it took me a very long time, uh, like within the last year to really kind of feel comfortable with that whole thing. Like, had you come up to me and recognized me like two years ago, I I wouldn't have brushed you off or anything, but like, I would, not. you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't right be now. here. Right. So like it, it wasn't like it wasn't that I had some sort of like traumatic, awful experience either. It was just uh, it it was hard for me to kind of. I never liked the the recognition, so to like uh, I liked the recognition, but I didn't like the literal being recognized. Uh, recognition. It took me a long time to be okay with it, um, just because it's just kind of I'm, I don't know. It just kind of weirds me out. Yeah, yeah. Like this notion of like people being like excited to meet me i was like what well, like why well not- i know yeah i mean in your shoes it might be it might be i mean odd, I, but- yeah i get it but right. it's like i don't know for and it took me a long time to just be like no like it's it's part of it exactly it's it's what you've chosen to do since you're five years old so that's kind of like just a byproduct <laughs> and, that, and now that i'm older and like need a job i'm like come on <laughs> where is everybody <laughs> Uh, so again, going back to high school, even within the confines of this this like flexible high school, what was the name of it? Uh, it's this my part of the school was called Interact, uh, like the debit with a T, and then it was in Von Road Academy. 
Von Road Academy. And did you, did that help with girls? <laughs> no. Anything like that? Really? <laughs> I mean, maybe it could have. This but... is the small town me talking, because <laughs> in a small town, you could, you would just own, the, you'd own the place, basically. <laughs> I mean, maybe it could have, but uh, I've never been one to uh, use it. Right. Um, because I was so uncomfortable with it as well. It was it, like the idea of it never really like occurred. And you said you just recently came to terms with all that. Yeah. Uh, just, I think through like getting older and going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I didn't, maybe it was just going back to the industry after being away. I think maybe I just needed the break, but I mean, you know, like I played the nerd, right? Like I wasn't, it took me, and it also took me a long time to be proud of it too, uh, which is something I struggled with because when you're 15 and you're literally going through puberty on national television, and then you're yeah. playing, you're playing the character who doesn't have the romantic subplots, is not getting the girl, is the nerd character. Like, it kind of fucks with your self esteem. So like, that kind of bled into your real life. Totally, or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it totally like took me a long time to kind of figure out. Um, I mean, this isn't unique to being on television. No one knows what the fuck they are in high school, but right. uh, it really kind of skewed my sense of identity for a while and kind of my confidence in like who I was as a human being. And so it took me a while to just kind of kind of figure all that out yeah. and, and figure out my like where that where Degrassi's place and purpose in my life was. And now I feel I feel much more positive towards it today than I like ever have. That's so interesting but, to, uh, to to find that out that you kind of struggled with the whole thing. Oh yeah, and, and it is it so fascinating to me the notion that yeah your TV persona and and what you're going through is because you're you're playing a guy like the same age right? Totally. Oh yeah. yeah. So nope. it's like parallel lives. Totally. One on TV, one in private life, but both are kind of intermixed because you're such a public figure. You're such a recognizable yeah, face. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> it's like um, those those years uh, are so hard for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they're the hardest years of life, I would say. I know. Every time and someone then, tells me like, oh, fuck, if only I could go back to high school, I'm like, there's something wrong man, with if you. you. If you miss high school, you fucking peaked in high you school. You peaked in high school. Exactly. Because I want to think life only gets better yeah, with age. Abs- absolutely. You get to know yourself better financially. You get better. You know, just every aspect. Man, give, to- me, give me 27 over 17 any day of the week. Any day of the week. But, uh, but yeah, so like those years are already challenging. And then, you know, you throw... Uh, being on television on top of that and all the um, the kind of the bullshit that goes with that as well. And it's just kind of, and like, I don't want to sound like, oh, poor me, I was on a TV show because, I mean, it's not that. Right. Uh, there's people who have had much, much harder lives than I have and much, much harder high school experiences than I have. Um, but it does have, it. like, it kind of screws your head a little bit. And again, it's the kind of thing you don't, notice till you're older right and it's the kind of thing that i didn't notice it was just kind of like oh i'm just this person 
Yeah. And it's weird. Well, I mean, as a teenager, people can tell you things, but you you can only learn them on your own. Totally. In, in retrospect and looking back. But I love that you're talking about this because even it, like from my, from my perspective, it would seem being on a hit television show through high school would make things so much easier. But in reality, it's so much. And I mean, I'm not going to say it made things like, like awful. Like I don't, I don't want it to sound like no, this but was it like wasn't some... just a golden ticket through high school, just no, skating through. You know? No, it wasn't. And I mean, maybe it is for some people. I don't know. Maybe for everyone, you know, lives their lives and does their own thing differently. But uh, I just, from my experience, it wasn't this. It wasn't a golden ticket. And also, I think the fact that I went to this high school that kind of no one was like what you do outside doesn't make you impressive because like. Right. I was shared a class with like kids who were like on the borderline of qualifying for the Olympics and skiing. And to me, like that's way more impressive. Like that's, I show up, say some words and go home. That's like fucking crazy. So I think that also kind of helped with the, this notion of it not being a golden ticket opportunity. It was just kind of like, okay, that's the thing I do. There's other people out there doing yeah. like doing real stuff. Puts it put in puts it in perspective. Totally. Do you ever turn to drugs and alcohol during those years or anything like that? I mean, not not because of it. Right. I mean, I've done my fair share, but it's not. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't a reaction. I don't think. Right. I, like it wasn't like a, I'm I'm sad. I need. It wasn't the typical child star cliche kind of. No, I mean it's just. I mean, I definitely. I think I probably started drinking younger mm-hmm. than like how old. I don't know, 14 maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty yeah, sta- standard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's standard or not. I was a pretty like calm kid, so. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we weren't, it's Toronto, right? It's not like we were, and it was still only Degrassi in a way. Right. Like it's not, and it was Degrassi then too. Like it, I don't, it's not like we were, uh, you know, in like, we we're not Macaulay Culkin, you know, like that, it's not that level of fame and access. Um, so I don't know how much, I don't think, I don't think I've, the drugs and alcohol were more than, you know, anyone else in high school, but, uh, and it definitely wasn't caused by, uh, I think I probably drank with adults more than people my age did, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, again, not, not because of anything. Right. At least not at that age. Yeah. And did did you, so once you finished high school, did you just keep? Were you still on Degrassi at that point? Uh, I cut, it all kind of ended at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my last year of Degrassi was, I think my last year, yeah was also my last year of high school. How'd they write off your character? I just graduated. I just graduated. I kind of wanted to die. I thought it'd be fun, but uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, but uh, yeah, no, because of all this and like not knowing, I got really <clears throat> and like a lot of this is stupid eighteen year old bullshit. But like I got very bitter. Uh, towards the industry and towards Degrassi itself, really, and the whole thing by the end, and have which had very little to do with anyone other than myself. Now that looking back on it, like it was very much just like ungrateful eighteen-year-old kind of nonsense. But um, and then all this other stuff that I've been saying. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to get out, and uh, I decided that I'd go to university outside of Toronto. Where'd you, uh, where'd you go? Oh, I went, uh, I went to Concordia. Right. And I went I to Montreal. And what'd you study there? <laughs> a bunch of things. Um, I started in a journalism communications split, and then I hated that, and I went to just communications, and then I hated that, and then I was undeclared for a year, 
And then I ended up getting a degree in creative writing, which was really just an English degree with like two other classes. Now, at university, <clears throat> did people recognize you still? Yeah. Uni- did it help at that point in any way? No, university is when I really started to hate it. Really? Because I was just coming out of it. And so I was already really bitter. And then it's one thing for like high school kids on the street. You go to a campus bar with a bunch of drunk oh, bro yeah. university people. Oh, shit. And it's... I mean, it is what it is. It's again, it's not this awful fucking thing, but it, in my, in my mindset at the time, it was, it was this awful fucking thing, which again is kind of a stupid way to look at it. But, uh, yeah, I got really fed up with it in university. Um, like it, to the point where like people would ask me and I'd say no. Oh, like, are you that guy? And yeah, like, I would no. just be like, no, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, <clears throat> and it kind of became like unfortunately i felt like it kind of became like part of my identity of like regretting this if you think but actually pretty wonderful thing which which is kind of silly but uh i mean i again i didn't know how to deal with any of this stuff right because it was just kind of i don't i don't really know exactly but uh, I'm sure there's like a real psychological reason so where do you think the bitterness came from like and it does that start as soon as you left the show it was kind of gradually starting as I was getting ready to leave um, or as I was leaving. Were you like bitter towards the new actors coming in? No, no, actually we really became really good friends with them. Yeah. But um, no, it was never at anything like anyone or anything specific in the show itself. I think it was mostly just my own shit that I was kind of working through and I needed a place to put it. Um, and so then it kind of manifested as, as that. I do think that I did need a break from it all though from like the industry i mean i've been doing it since from like five to 19 when i went to uh, or 18 when i graduated high school so it was kind of the break did me good for Mm -hmm. sure and i think i don't know if i would have um this perspective on it had i just stayed through right um yeah and moving away was probably good too yeah in a different city i think so province and it was just and it was kind of like uh at least with uh, my close friends, it was at, at in Montreal. It was very much just like um, a separate thing. It was just like this thing I did, rather than like this thing that was me. And at that point, did you know or think you would come back to the industry? No, I was almost positive I wasn't going to. Really? I had this. Uh, I mean, I acted a little bit. Uh, the Being Eric episode was uh, summer after my second year because it was more of like summer job purposes at that point. Um. I was very much, uh, I had this whole thing in my brain, which now that I'm 27 makes me laugh that, uh, if I was 30 and still, you know, quote unquote, the Degrassi guy, that, that would be like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> and it's now I'm 27 and it's not. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, that was kind of my fear when I was 20. Um, so I really wanted to do anything else at that point and it kind of so i I, to me at those two some i I came home between first and second and second and third year uh and so auditioned then but again that was more of a uh i want to say a summer job yeah kind of thing did you have the same agent yeah right uh than anything else I, i wasn't i wasn't taking it as seriously as i should have been and it was just kind of like continuing the thing i knew how to do Right. And it was more fun 
than like going to work in a bar or something. Having worked from five to 19 and having seen some pretty good success, were you able to set yourself up in any financial way to be able to kind of... I mean, nothing crazy. Uh, I was, I, it's still Canada, but uh, I mean, I was able to put myself through school. So I'll take that. Like yeah. four, four years of university without, with no debt. That's amazing. I mean, I right mean, there, you're ahead of the yeah, game. Exactly. Um, so that was, that was definitely like the, the biggest, um, financial help for sure of just like, yeah. I mean, I have so many friends with student loans. Oh man. Like $80,000. Like yeah, this. Exactly. So not, not having to deal with that was very helpful and nice. I got to ask, how was it working with, I mean, back then, uh, you know, I have to ask about <laughs> of course, of Abba course. Graham, Drake. Of course, can't not. So, so back then, do people ask you about all the time? All the time. All the time. He's like, he's now, he's become like the number one topic, which that I, people ask, which really? I, which I totally get. Right. Of course. I yeah. wasn't even planning on it until I was just looking through like the cast and I'm like, oh yeah, shit. That's oh, right. Run through the six. I get it. <laughs> I get it. And I mean, he's a fucking world. Yeah. I, I mean, he's it, so, he's world renowned. It's insane. It's it's straight up insane. And how was he back then? Because I worked with uh, Phil uh, Earnshaw. Yeah, yeah, Phil. good old Phil. He, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. So nice. I did this embarrassing workshop because I've been doing stand up for about nine years, right? And I'm just sort of getting into the acting thing, but I mean, very lightly. I got a, an agent about a year and a half ago, and I go out a lot. I don't book very much, but I go out a lot. <laughs> Not, none of us do, <laughs> right? And so I, she. Uh, my agent called me one day. She's like, there's this great opportunity. It's um, because of Spun Out was the first multicam sitcom right. to, to film in Canada since the 80s. They were doing this workshop for directors on the Stanley Dynamic uh, set here in town. And it was a multicam workshop. They brought in Phil Ramuno, who's this famous sitcom, multicam sitcom director from the States. And he was, he was giving a three-day workshop to these directors. So for day two and three, they needed actors to... <laughs> Do, oh, the, yeah. do these scenes okay. on set and so we'd go off to a corner with our chosen director there was about a dozen directors and uh, they'd give us a scene like they'd pick two three actors there was like 19 or something of us actors like quote actors i was very bad at it back then first of all <laughs> it changed my whole perspective on it because i thought you know when you watch someone like you or uh, on tv it just looks so natural and easy right it's like oh how hard can it be? And it's like you get a line and it's like uh, the line's like, oh, hey, let's go to the mall this weekend, for example. And then cameras are on. It's like, oh, hello. Uh, let us go to the mall, please. I'm like, holy shit, this is actually so fucking hard. And I, oh, man, I, it was the most embarrassing thing ever. So this was like, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I guess. Uh, I like to think I'm better at it now because now I've gotten more comfortable. Like auditioning even itself is a whole thing. Oh, the yeah. more you do, the more comfortable you are at that. Uh, and it's almost like the less you care, the better it is. You just, uh, the less you invest emotionally. Oh, on, absolutely. You just kind of, and people feel that. I didn't, and, I didn't start feeling nervous in audition rooms till about a year ago when I was like, I need this to pay my rent. Right, right, <laughs> right. So while I started, I was really nervous because I, uh, you know, being a comic, you're so used to being in control, right? You're on stage, you're performing to an audience, you're fully in control. And then you're in a room with four or five casting people and it's you're it's not really in your control that much. And yeah. and and by control I mean how you're perceived by other people. So you can be uh, it can be quite embarrassing sometimes. Anyway, yeah, so you have to kind of uh at least I find that try to just keep even if it's not true. Just keep reminding yourself that when you don't get something, it has nothing to do with you. Right, like, right. There's so much. There's so many factors. There's right? so many factors. And there's also like, there's so much just kind of self-delusion 
in this industry. Absolutely, there is. I, uh, Mike Birbiglia has a great stand-up bit about regarding stand-up. And so like, you have to just constantly convince yourself that things are going really well. Right. And that's totally, <laughs> right. it's 100% true in acting as well. Right. Like, you constantly have to be just saying, like, no, I mean, I didn't get that, but like things are fine. Right. Because if you don't, you'll just curl up in a ball and never go back. Well, it's ever constant again. rejection, like just Always. day after day after day after day <laughs> yeah. after day. Like nope, nope, nope. And you, <laughs> yeah. And you go in rooms. Oh, shit. All I good. spilled a bunch of water. All good. <laughs> and you go in rooms and you put yourself out there, like it. You're vulnerable. I remember the first audition I ever did was for like a Dodge commercial, and it was like for the Dodge Charger, and the whole thing was like. Anyway, I had to pretend, I had to sit in this hard chair in front, and there was just one guy in the casting room with a camera, and he's like, pretend there's like an airplane, like a jet engine in front of you, and it turns it on, and just go. And I had to like, as a grown man, be like in this chair flailing away. Yeah. And I I remember doing it, and he's like, all right, that's good. He's like, try it again, just less pain this time. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, I do this workshop with Phil, and... um, Man, so we go off to the corner and, and we get the scene and then we do the scene and it's like a multicam thing. And when you're doing it, there's only one crew. So all the directors, all the actors are watching your oh, scene, God. right? So, oh my, yeah, exactly. And you only have like a, maybe an hour or two to go over the scene and the lines and stuff. And I remember being so fucking nervous. I mean, I've taken classes and stuff now that have taught me to remove the focus from myself like mm. uh like meisner specifically and shit like that which right. actually really helps because once you remove the focus from yourself it's like oh fuck yeah it just because you're constantly thinking, it helps you breathe it helps you breathe because you're constantly thinking how am i looking what am i doing how am i doing what are they thinking of me am i doing this okay <laughs> like it's all me 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 yeah. me right? oh Bullshit. yeah and i remember doing this one line <laughs> so we're on the set and they're like all right uh, rolling and action and we do the thing and i walk in and i have this little dialogue with the guy who plays my dad and i forget a line and i remember seeing this in movies where you go line like someone <laughs> tells you like, the line so i freeze up completely and again this workshop is not about the actors it's just about learning the multi-camp thing so i freeze up and i'm like line and it's quiet no one no one knows no one they're just kind of watching me and then i just kind of stumble through and i remember being so embarrassed but all that to say yeah, Phil was a great guy, and he was talking about those early years of Degrassi, the next generation. And uh, yeah, Phil, Phil introduced me to one of my favorite words, which I don't think is a real word. I think Phil made it up, um, but it's the word "titch," which he uses to be like just a little bit. So like, whenever <laughs> Phil is directing, Phil will say like, "Just move a titch to the right," and it's so ingrained in my vocabulary now. And every every time, every now and then, I'll say it, and someone's like, "What? What? That's <laughs> that not English. That's not a real word. What are you saying?" And so I've I've filled the thing for any of those moments. Um, that's so funny. But he was talking about uh, Drake, Aubrey. Yes. How, how do you know him? But obviously, as Aubrey. I mean, now I kind of know him. I mean, if I if if I see him, he's I'm going to call him Aubrey. Right. But now I guess I kind of know him as Drake. Right. Do you still keep in touch? No. Um, I saw him about a month ago for the first time since he became Drake. Wow. Um, uh, it's, it's amazing. And like, I really like his music and I think it's great, but it will never not be strange. Right. Yeah. Like, there's just no way for it to not be strange for yeah. me. Like it's, I've known him since he was like 15. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like two old. He's two years years old, I mean, yeah. And uh, you guys started same season, same time, yeah, and ran through the same. Did he end the same time? Yeah, I think so. I think he left the same year as me. And just normal, nice kid. Yeah, like one of the sweetest, nicest people in the world. And when I saw him last month, he was he gave me a big hug. Like he was very, 
just uh, back to normal. Yeah, I, like I mean, it was back to normal until like he his like one of his crew, I guess, tapped on the shoulder and he had to go talk on the phone. So like, I don't. It's just a wor- It's a thing I don't understand. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a level of fame that I have no frame of reference for. Like, like nobody does. There's like twelve people in the world who right. have that frame of reference. Um, but it's great. I mean, it's it's just it will just never not be weird. Did you ever see his SNL episode? Yeah, he was amazing. He was fucking. He was great. so fucking good. He like he really showed his acting chops and everything. Just his raw talent. Well, on I mean, that episode. he's just he is and always has been just like a naturally charismatic dude. Like yeah. when he was younger, he was always just like a funny, nice, charismatic person. So it makes sense to me that he could do something like SNL. Right. Like yeah, he, just, he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he I was great. Watching that and being like, "Fuck, yeah, blown he ki- away." He killed it. Killed um, it. I, I have. I have nothing bad to say about him. That's Let's talk true. about the dynamic between the cast and crew. Like, I mean, you work so many years with these people, five, six yeah. years. Eight, I mean, you did appearances also after you left. I did seven years in a day. I did one. I did one. Oh, really? I did one day after wow. I left. And, and how, like, these, these, I mean, you must spend more time with, well, I guess it's from May to October, but do you keep in touch off season? Do you? Yeah. Um, not everybody. Uh, I mean, we got lucky. Uh, I, I mean, I have never experienced it, but I know other people who have where people don't get along and, uh, you know, egos get in the way and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But we got really lucky that there was other than like occasional shit that happens because we're fucking teenagers. Um, for the most part, like it was just a totally friendly functional thing, but you know, like you you become close with some people and not others. Um, but, uh, yeah, like it was, it, like I said, it was like camp. So, you know, you go to camp and you make your close friends at camp and you keep in touch with your friends from camp kind of Were thing. there hookups? Anybody date in the, on the <laughs> cast? Uh, probably. Uh, I mean, I don't, it's so fucking long ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about you as an actor uh, now. You're back at it. Yeah. Doing the thing. And throughout your entire career, have you ever taken any formal training or anything? A lot. Like yeah, yeah, a lot. Especially lately. What, um, what sort of training? Uh, right now, I work with uh, a few different teachers, just mostly scene study at this point. Um, when I was younger, I did well, pretty much have only ever done um, formal scene study training. Uh, but I mean, for me now, having, I mean, I left the industry for seven years. So I needed, uh, I kind of look at it as if, if you, um, like if you play an instrument and then you don't play an instrument, that instrument for seven years, you're going to suck. Right. So you need to practice. And so for me, it's all kind of just practicing. Yeah. It's amazing how acting is one of those things people just assume you don't need any training for, but you constantly need. Yeah. I mean like there's, you can probably show up and do a, do like a line or two. Right. But like to really quote unquote act, I think you need. You need that practice. Yeah, and it makes all the difference in the world. Like, like if I get a small TV or film role audition, I'll get coaching for a couple hours yeah, the totally. day before. It's unbelievable the difference it makes and the perspective it gives you. And you break it down, and you just feel strong in the room. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter at that point if you do book it or not. You're like, well, I actually did my best. So, it's like you were you were talking earlier about like the confidence thing. Uh, I don't think you can do this. Uh, one of my acting teachers once said that like to do this, you have to be kind of a bit of an arrogant asshole because you have to go in believing that you're better than everybody else or else you're going to fail, which I mean, I don't love because that's not how I like to carry myself, but I get it. And it's not wrong. It's the same for comedy. Yeah. I remember Jerry Seinfeld saying every comedian thinks they're the best comedian in the world. Yeah. 
And you need to do that. Well, it goes back to the delusion thing, right? Right. Just tell tell yourself whatever you got to tell yourself to keep going. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) Yeah. And then even if you don't, just keep telling yourself you're great or else you'll just, I don't know, something bad will happen. Anything you're working on now? Nothing, uh, nothing really. Um, just kind of doing the auditioning thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only been back in the industry for about a year. Oh, is that uh, right? Oh, yeah. Fresh back. Maybe a year and a half now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, writing with some friends, but nothing of, uh, note to report yet. Hopefully at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting doing it as a pseudo adult compared to a kid. Like it's a very different experience. In what way you mean like you put more stock into it? More stock into it and also just there's more um, perspective on it, I think. Uh, Like it's weird. It's this balance of also it being more pressure and way more anxiety driven. Right. But also uh, it's not. Because like I don't, I mean like it's fucking acting, right? I mean I'm not doing, I'm not saving the world. I'm not like I'm not a doctor. Like right. it's not. It's kind of. I mean, I don't want to discredit it, but I mean, maybe I kind of do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just. It is. It's just the thing. The silly fucking thing I do. It is in a way, but at the same time, it's such a mental fucking fuck up. Like oh it's, my god, yeah. I mean, it's just, just speaking for however long it's been about right. all the ways I'm fucked up because of it. <laughs> Well, I, I, I talk about this all the, on the podcast a lot, how just show business in general. I mean, yeah, you're, you're not a brain surgeon, for example, but you're just always feeling this pit in your stomach of nerves. Yeah. So whether it's an audition, whether it's a show, whether it's this, whether it's anything, you're just constantly in a situation where you're nervous as all fucking hell, like waiting to go <laughs> into true. a room. You're like, oh, so, ner-. and it's torturous. Like so, so many times I'll be either waiting to go for an audition or waiting for a show. Like if I go, let's say stand up wise, I go to Vancouver, I'll do like eight, nine shows in a week. I don't enjoy my time in Vancouver. Like <laughs> and during the day, I'm like, oh shit, I got it. It's like it's just looming. Like that's kind of that's kind of what I meant. But it's so anxiety driven. It's so anxiety driven, and people think you're so lucky you get to travel. I'm like, well, first of all, I just saw my hotel room for seven days, and third of all, or second of all, I'm like, like just a wreck the whole time. <laughs> and then you do it, you perform, then you get off stage, and that window at night, stand up. I'm talking about when you're done. That's the only time you're enjoying it. You're like, oh, that was yeah. great. That was amazing. I love what I do. And then wake up the next morning. It's like, oh, fuck, I got to do this thing tonight. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me, I try to um, uh, keep that as separate as I can. Yeah. Because if I don't, I'll like as a person who, I mean, I kind of naturally spend a lot of time in my head uh, and with anxiety just by default. So I kind of feel if I don't, try to separate it i'll just quit just yeah. go insane well so. like therapy will help you to, totally. to, to deal with that and and my god ev- everybody should be in therapy oh man i mean people that think or look down on it it's so weird to me it's you know you'd never attempt to fix your own car you bring it to a mechanic but when <laughs> it comes really to the point. human brain you're that's, like nah, i got this that's a really good point actually and so yeah, like it's so, like I said, anxiety driven and you got to figure out a way to kind of transcend that and enjoy the entire process because totally. when it boils down to it, boils down to it, we chose this. Yeah. You know, like we're, and when I say we, I don't put us in the same category at all. Obviously, no, but, but I mean, we are, but, we're, we're both in the same shit. Right. It's all the same shit. It's all the same Whether shit. you're a musician or you're an actor or you're a stand up, 
or you're an art, any sort of artist is all, I mean, <laughs> quote unquote artists for me, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's all kind of the same idea, yeah. I think. Um, and again, I think we all, but the other thing like I was saying before, like, I think we kind of are, are I don't know. I think we all kind of have this, uh, not that there aren't very legitimate struggles and issues that come with it, but like, sometimes, and this is nothing I've realized as I've got, as I'm getting older, sometimes it's kind of like, man, like stop complaining. <laughs> like no, it just kind of like, I'll say it to myself sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I'm, I have all this anxiety because this audition and like, oh, it, when I was younger, like it fucked me up. And I'm just like, man, like you're fine. Yeah. Like really? At the end of the day, you are fine. I'm, I'm 27. I live in Toronto and like there's people in this city who are 27 in Toronto who have like real shit to deal with. That's right. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I think that view is important. Yeah. It's so important. And again, it just boils down to just finding a way to enjoy it. Yeah. And also you get more shit, you book more things when you do enjoy the process and get into it. Like I mean, just- you, you think of any any band you go see and you'll enjoy the show more if the band is having fun. That the band is just like standing there playing their instruments. And I feel like it's kind of similar. Like you'll get more work and get people to enjoy your work even if it's not even if it's like heavy dramatic work. If it's clear that you're enjoying what you're doing. I think you, it makes you better at it almost. Cause it's just like you were saying about, uh, that like kind of locked up anxiety. Like it, yeah. you, you can breathe and you can kind of have fun. And oh man, breathing it. helps. Man, oh, it's <laughs> gotta love breathing. I know. And I, like, I think back of so many auditions I've done where they actually will tell me just breathe. Like I'll do it once. <laughs> and I'm like, and I look back like in one breath, I'll do the whole thing and just like, and it's like, yeah, just fucking breathe just all tight yeah all tight and again i'll focus on on yourself but i mean all these lessons and things that can be applied to just regular life whether you are a business or not absolutely that's that's kind of what i meant as well like i i'm not special no one's like no one's special i just i mean i guess some people are special but like actors aren't special right it's just kind of it it is exact if you're Again, I'll go to the brain surgeon thing. Like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know because I failed grade eleven science, but I would assume that if you're doing brain surgery, breathing helps. Yeah, yeah. You probably have that pit in your stomach when you've got I would an open ho- skull. I would fucking hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe you don't, and maybe that's what makes you able to be a brain surgeon. Right. But um, I think like, I'm sure it's all similar. Like, if you're tight and like you, it's the stakes are a lot higher, but you'll kind of you won't be able to do the job you need to do. So I think it is all kind of, I think everyone who has any sort of, uh, any job really, like whatever, whatever it is, even if it's just like, if you're accounting or an accountant, accountant, I don't know the, the proper. Tense, yeah. In tense, accounting. In accounting. Yeah. Accountant. I mean, I think I'm sure it's the same there too. Like right. if you have a lot, a lot to get through. If you're tight and crazy, then it's not going to go well for you. Wow. There it is. Zen and the art of life. <laughs> oh, With- my God. Please, no one take my advice. <laughs> I have no advice to give you. Hey, man, I can't thank you enough for coming in studio and doing this. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I ran into you when I did, not two years ago, because you were yeah. a super approachable, nice guy. Just, just 
Yeah, no, two years ago, it's sort of a very different conversation. <laughs> anything before we go? Anything you'd like to add or plug or? or um, I don't know. Do I have anything to plug? Social media? Are you a social media guy? A little bit. I'm on. Tw- I tweet way too much. Yeah. Uh, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is just J, like letter J Goldsby, my last name. There's nothing of value there. It's either about sports or music or just inane rambling. Well, follow that shit <laughs> at J Goldsby. Um, yeah, if you want some angry random thoughts i'm not angry right now but just angry why do i keep saying angry uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's my default yeah, just rambling thoughts about the blue jays then maybe you'll enjoy my twitter but follow that shit jake goldsby again can't thank you enough i really appreciate and it man. thanks for having see me you soon my pleasure yeah, my pleasure and watch your head And there she is, another one in the books, another one in the book, yeah, oh shit, come on, thanks to my guest, the one, the only Jake Goldsby, I hope to see that guy around, and uh, thanks to you for listening, always you, thanks to my producer Adam Fox and my sound engineer Miles Lacroix. And thank you. I just said that, but I really do mean it, okay? Uh, I do this for you. Hey, Bridge. I do this for you, Bridge, and everybody else listening. And uh, if you like the show, please share it uh, with your friends and family. Spread the word. Rate it on iTunes. That really helps a lot. Email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com. Follow on Facebook, or like the page, rather, on Facebook, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. All right. Thanks a lot. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Tuesday. And as always, watch your head. Sound check for me there. Sure. Speaking, still talking. <laughs> How's it sound? Sounds pretty good. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Just eat, eat the mic like eat you're the doing mic? now. Okay. Yeah, that's good because it's not a soundproof uh, right. studio. Oh, okay. I don't crank up the gain all the way up. Okay, sure. Crank up every little thing. I'll I'll eat it. Then. Hence why I had to turn off the uh, the air the air for the next little bit. Should be fine though. Should be fair fine. enough. I'll just I'll eat it like this. So I I went over. Uh, so basically the way it. Um, goes i just start 
by introducing you, giving you a short bio. I went over all of your things. Is there anything you don't want me to mention or you don't care? Or No, I'm fine. You're fine? All right, bro. Cool. Thanks again for doing this. No problem. Let's uh, see where we go. Mm-hmm.